You talking to me? You must be talking to me. I'm the only one here. You <laughs> That's not to true. Me? <laughs> We're the only ones here. Welcome. Thank you for stopping by the screening room. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And uh, we are here counting down, running down, discussing the new movies in theaters and on video every week. And uh, we've got two big releases in the theaters. We've got some comedy. We've got some high stakes bean counting. <laughs> and uh, what do you want to start with? A little funny business? Let's do that. All right. The latest, the third concert film for Kevin Hart. It's called What Now? Let's go make these people laugh. Dad takes his phone out of his back pocket. This is what I hear. Cyrus. Cyrus. It's Siri. Move your hips and dance like fish. Yeah, I remember, I think the first time Kevin Hart kind of got on my radar, our radar, was he had that great little small part in the 40-year-old virgin where he was the, oh, yeah. the angry customer. Yes. And I, that might have been the first time I saw him. I know he had been around before that with some smaller parts, but... Uh, since then, I mean, I thought he was funny then, and since then, his career has just skyrocketed, and he's had a couple of um, concert films. He had Laugh of My Pain, and he had Let Me Explain, and of course, he's had plenty of other big, you know, he's a, proved to be a bankable star Absolutely. in movies that really haven't taken advantage of his comedic talent with, with the scripts, but he has uh, put some butts in some seats, and uh, he really kicks it up a notch for this one. He, I didn't realize this, but he sold last year, August of last year, he sold out Lincoln Financial Field, the Philadelphia Eagles football stadium. Now, that's his hometown, so it helps. But still, a comedy show to sell out a football stadium is pretty impressive. Huge. And uh, so they made this uh, new concert film about that. And like the others, it adds a little, some buffer footage, you know, some fun footage. This time, instead of going back to his hometown, they've done that before uh, and kind of given some background on him. This time, they cast him as, Agent 5-4, as in 5-foot-4. <laughs> uh, and it's a mix between a 007 parody and a parody of uh, the Denzel version of The Equalizer. It even, it even features the actor, I forget his name, who played one of the villains in that Equalizer. And they do a pretty much of a, a direct copy of one of the action scenes from that. So those, those uh, scenes are really more clever than out-and-out -out funny. They also feature some fun cameos, Halle Berry. Uh, Ed Helms, Don, Don Cheadle, Don Cheadle uh, is pretty good. So that's a good way to set it up. It's a new way to set it up. Uh, and then they get into the actual stand-up routine. And in a movie like this, it's going to help if you think he's funny. Sure. Uh, you know, and comedy is so subjective. People think things are funny. People think things aren't funny. Uh, why Kevin does, Hart's funny. Why does Kevin James have a career? I don't know. No, nor uh, do I. But I think Kevin Hart is pretty darn funny. And, and if you do, then you will get a kick out of this movie. It, it really, the routine starts slowly. It, it builds, and it takes a little while to get up and running. By the end, I'll tell you what, I was, I was holding my, my stomach. It, it, it gets really gut-busting toward the end. But the direction, for me, was a, a, little, bit, a little bit lacking. Um, it tends to do a lot of quick cuts, a lot of quick cuts back and forth, and some of those manipulative shots of audience members laughing. Um, and it made me think of some Chris Rock uh, specials that we've seen. Now, I think Chris Rock is also hilarious, but he just stalks the stage yeah. like a tiger. He does, yeah. At one end to the other, one end to the yep. other. Now, Kevin Hart doesn't do that, 
but you kind of get the feeling that Direction was trying to avoid. You know, there is only one performer on the yeah, stage, yeah. so uh, I, I kind of maybe got the feeling they were overcompensating for that. But just like a rock concert, this this stage was outfitted with these jumbotrons, these huge screens, and and all these uh, different changing backgrounds, a little multimedia stuff going on behind him for some of the gags. And I just kind of thought that maybe they pulled back a little bit, let it breathe a little bit, might make you feel a little more in the moment. Right, so, like you're there, like you're witnessing it firsthand. Yeah, yeah, it just was a little too, got a little too uh, glitzy, I think, with the with, with the camera, just in and out, just, just slow down just a little bit. But really, this movie is going to rise and fall on the material, and it is funny. It's It's a lot like, I think he is. Kevin Hart is. He's he's likable. He's always likable. He's consistently funny, and he's sometimes downright hilarious. Yep. So um, along with uh, the entertaining prologue and epilogue, you know, it's pretty solid. If you're a Kevin Hart fan, I would recommend it. And that is uh, the new concert film, third concert film for Kevin Hart. It's called What Now? And that's the funny business. And uh, moving to the high stakes, what I call it? High stakes bean, bean counting. counting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's the new one for Ben Affleck. Not as a director, but as the star of The Accountant. Say you're the head of the Sinaloa cartel. Who can you trust to track your stolen cash? He's capable of coming in cold, uncooking years of books, and getting out alive. Imagine the secrets this guy has. Who are you? So uh, this movie has a couple things going for it. You know, um, one um, is that the protagonist um, is is a mathematical genius who falls on the autism spectrum. And the way that that works, I was uh, I was worried from the beginning that it would feel very gimmicky, you know, and and it does not. And, and a lot of that has to do with with Ben Affleck's performance. And a lot of it has to do with Gavin O'Connor's direction. Now, th- that's interesting because. You know, we mentioned that this was not directed by Affleck, but he stars in it. Now, I think we both agree that his career has proven to be, he has proven to be a better director than he is an actor. No question. Yeah. And so it's interesting that you say that, that this, his, his performance he, is one of the strong points about the movie, and he didn't direct it. And Gavin O'Connor directed Warrior yeah, which a few I years ago. It's yeah. very, very good. Um, and, uh, and there are... S- there are a couple of similarities. I'm not going to give them away because it's kind of pivotal to the film. But the thing about Affleck's performance is that as an actor, he has very little range. Well, he's performing as a character who has a difficult time registering emotion. Sure. You know, and and I mean, I don't want that to sound belittling to either the character or the actor, but the fact is... Affleck does it very well. Mm-hmm. You know, on the rare occasion that a little bit of emotion bursts through, you really feel it. And also, instead of, you know, instead of falling back on a lot of, of ticks and, and stereotypes, you know, he and the director together, they minimize that. These exist. There's, there's not really a question that, that this man has autism. But it's, that's not all you see. So instead, what you get to see because it is a very subdued, low-key performance, is some humor. Mm-hmm. And, and really what they do, I think, is, is instead of creating this character who is just very alien to us, they make him just a step outside of what we would deem to be just sort of socially awkward. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's lovely. And then the other thing that they do really well is, is the way they set up the action sequences, because there are a lot of action sequences, because the guy is an accountant, but he's also... He's an accountant to a lot of bad dudes, and so it turns out somebody's trying to kill him, and he's got a puzzle. 
not just the financial problems. It's a very much a follow the money kind of a mystery. He's got to figure out who's trying to kill him and why. So there's lots of double crossing. Lots of it. Um, there are also a lot of flashbacks to his childhood to try to explain why he's so good with guns. Wait, what? <laughs> um, and, you know, to be honest, those things don't work out that well. But the action sequences are among the best I've seen this year, and part of it is because they're directed so cleanly, right, so efficiently. To fit which the is character. Very much in keeping with the character. And and also, with the in, and while that might sound bland, it isn't, because a lot of times when you see these real complicated, glitzy action sequences, you realize... There's no genuine trajectory here. There's no A to B. And you're like, okay, this is a befuddled mess with explosions. But that's not the case here. Everything actually fits. Everything follows the sequence and makes perfect sense. It's very clean. It fits the character. And it turns out to be, in the understated approach, I don't know, that much more effective. Well, you know, it's an old cliche, but it's often true. Less is often more. This is one of those cases. I and mean, he, there's a big body count. He kills a lot of people. Yeah, but you're talking about the yes, way it's set exactly. up. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. Let's throw everything at the screen just so we can just amaze people. Right. Pull it back, yep. and, and it can be it can be effective. The, the writing is the weakest part. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the mystery, the twists, the, you know, quote, surprises. I mean, I, I don't think any of the surprises are, are really going to surprise anyone, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, and, and the longer you go, it's like you... you you go ahead and invest in this because you, you assume the writing is going to take you somewhere and the direction performances are, are entertaining enough. That, but then by the time you get to the end, you're like, it was kind of a waste of time. Sometimes, though, it, it is nice to see. You know, I don't like weak writing, of course, because, you know, I always say everything starts with the writing. But yes. when, when something is so clearly well-directed yes. and, and, and well-acted enough to, to really buoy the entire mm-hmm. production, it's kind of nice sometimes. It is. I agree. It can make it a, at least somewhat worthwhile. Right, exactly. It makes up in, in large quantities for the writing and so it turns out to be a perfectly entertaining if forgettable but movie but there there is some real merit to the way it was handled and put together okay so those are the two big nationwide releases this week and one kind of has a more limited release but boy we found effective and a little spooky for this time of year too is one called under the shadow this is uh, an iranian film and it's set in 1988 in Tehran, so at the height of the Iran-Iraq War, just a few years into the, quote, cultural revolution when fundamentalists had taken over uh, uh, the government of Iran. And it centers on a woman whose husband, who's a doctor, a practicing doctor, has, has been sent out to... Um, he, has to spend, he has to spend some required time with the troops. Exactly. Yeah. So she's home alone in Tehran as, as bombs are falling with her daughter, and, you know, it's actually, it's very, very much like The Babadook, a yeah. film we both love. Yeah, if you saw The Babadook, um, it, it reminded me of that and you of that almost instantly. But it takes it in a different, in a different way. It's just, it's reminiscent, of the, it's reminiscent of The Babadook because of the young child and how the young child starts maybe seeing some things that may or may not be there that might be spooking the house, you know, haunting the house a little bit. Is it is it really happening? Um, and that's what reminded me of the Bob. The theme, the underlying theme is different, though. In a lot of ways, it is. I think, I think one of the things that make the two familiar similar is that um, the, the mom's, the mother's anxiety is very unflattering. And it's not the kind of maternal character you tend to see in any film, let alone a horror movie. She's, she's very frustrated and kind of lashing out and kind of impatient. And there's a lot of, but, but in, in, whereas the Babadook, it, it had a lot to do just with parenting, just with single parenting. That was the issue there. Here, 
it's it's a social commentary. You know, it's 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 fascinating and terrifying the way the tension just ramps up in this because after her husband's gone, she's she's on her own to to contend with these forces. Bombs are falling. There's a war going on. Her neighbors are distrustful of her because she's a woman alone with her children because she used to want to be a doctor because mm-hmm. she's the only woman in the building with a driver's license because she's being judged and and you just sense that everything is less safe for her. I mean, as the movie progresses, everything is less safe for her. And she also has to deal with this quickly oppressive religious fundamentalism. Yes. That that she has to deal with that as well. Uh, In fact, I thought a real pivotal part in the movie, which I'm not going to give away, is when she comes really face-to-face with that and the choices she has to make. Uh, or that she's forced to make because of this uh, this fanaticism and, and w- how it regards women, I thought was very effective. And also I liked, it's important to remember, there's a difference between fear and anxiety. Yeah. Uh, there's, there really is. And uh, these movies, movies like The Babadook, movies like this, you know, accentuate that difference. Yeah, and not, not to say that it's strictly a social commentary. I mean, there are some creepy... There are. You know, real creepy imagery. Yeah. And, you know, with everything that's going on, you can you can see where the mother just starts to just... She's not even sure. Mm-hmm. Do I think that there's something? Do I think that they're... And they're, they call them jinn. They're, they're wind spirits. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and creepy enough, yeah. one of them is talking to the daughter. Maybe she'd make a better mommy. Yeah. And it's fascinating because so much of this film is about gender roles yeah. without ever being overt about it without ever feeling preachy and then one of the other nice touches is that the image of this of this ghost is really just this flapping burqa that disappears and comes back it's it's just such a powerful idea especially because it's the daughter you know what what is the future that this mother is leaving for her daughter given everything that's happening around her it's it's a fascinating yeah film. and there's a lot of um, different different uh, subtext to the title under the shadow Absolutely. under the shadow of what yes. uh, so yeah it's an effective movie and again it's got a limited release but if it's in your area definitely worth checking out uh and as far as video the big release on video this week is the remake of ghostbusters which unfortunately didn't do that well it at the box office it underperformed you know what with all the brouhaha surrounding it i enjoyed it I liked it as well. I didn't love it. I wanted to love it. I really did. But it, you know, it's it's entertaining throughout. It's very very likable. Everybody in the cast is really good. And it's got some scares. It it's does. Got, it's got some it's jolts. It's got some laughs. It does. It definitely does. Um, yeah, I didn't love it. No, but I did like it. I, I a solid like yes. uh, for it. It's very enjoyable. And it's enjoyable and it's entertaining. Uh, the, the cast is good. They find nice ways to get. The cameos in from yep. almost all of yep. the original yep. cast, even Harold Ramis, yes. who has sadly passed away. I, I I like the way they worked him into it. Agreed. So yeah, and of course Chris Hemsworth, your boy, <laughs> you know he's funny. He's very funny he in a funny. very self-deprecating role. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's funny. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, so if you if you're one of those people that were just kind of waiting, ah, I'll wait till it comes out. Well, here's your chance. I, I bet you would enjoy it. Uh, the remake of Ghostbusters, and that is really the only thing of merit, right, on video and streaming this week? You know what? Week? I would say I'm going to go ahead and give a plug to a movie called Blood Father. Oh, yeah. It's a Mel Gibson. It's an independent movie. It kind of takes that Liam Neeson path of, you know, a damaged dad who's making good with his estranged daughter because of this jeopardy that they're all in. But in a, in a weird way, it just punctures 
everything I hate about those movies. Does he have a particular set of skills? He does. Huh. He does. But he's grizzled, and he's a tattoo artist, and he's and she's not perfect, which is nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's very damaged herself. And there's uh, there's some great performances. Diego Luna plays the bad guy, and I love him. And he's so weird. So he brings a nice weirdness to it. Dale Dickey is in it. Michael Parks is in it. Oh, great. So, you know, I mean, the supporting cast is magnificent. Um, William H. Macy. You know, a good it's cast. Just, I, it is. It, the, the quality of the talent is so much higher than anything you expect from a, from a film like this. Uh, and, and, and I do. I think it takes you in some surprising directions. I also think, you know, he's a nut. He's not a likable guy. Mel Gibson, personally. Mel yeah. Gibson seems like a wacko. I don't know, personally. <laughs> Maybe he's a good dude. I don't know. But he seemed, but he's quite good in this film. All right. That's Blood Father. So um, if you want to check out all our movie reviews in more detail, please do that. Our website is madwolf.com, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. And Twitter is the perfect way to keep the conversation going about any of these movies. Uh, at Mad Wolf on Twitter. And the screening room is a presentation of the Columbus Radio Group and MadWolf.com. And we look forward to uh, talking to you again next week. And until then, this is the screening room. I'm Hope Mad. I'm George Wolf. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. <laughs>